This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, and welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, So, First off, uh, it is episode 55, and I have got um, a very, very, um, this was a surprise guest. Um, the, the young lady that was scheduled had some other things pop up, and so, you know, life is real. And so I reached out to this young lady that I have known for uh, probably about a year and a half through social media. Um, she actually actually messaged me like last week saying, hey, I think I actually have an idea. Um, so I'm like, all right, here's your chance. And so I am super excited this evening to welcome uh, my friend from right across the river uh, over in Evansville, Indiana. Um, her name is Christy Hape. She is a mom. She is a wife. She is the coach of kids. She is a lover of Jesus. And this is very cool because I love what they do over here in Evansville. She is an SEL specialist with Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation in Evansville, Indiana, but she is also, she's an occupational therapist by training. So without further ado, um, first off, thank you and welcome, Christy, to the Big Ed Idea podcast. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you as well. Um, I feel like we met maybe two years ago, like right at the beginning of this pandemic thing. We did. I saw a connection on Facebook with you um, related to a book study, and I joined your book study. And then we found out that actually our paths had crossed earlier in life that we really didn't know because you had my nephew in class. That's right. That's right. It's, um, you know, there was this, there's this thing called seven, uh, what is it, six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. And like everybody is somehow can connect with anybody else in the world through six people or seven people whatever so yeah we have uh we have confirmed that so but thank you for um dropping everything you you know that you had planned on a sunday evening and um giving me your time i really appreciate that and no problem it's a little chaotic here at this household of five and it always is so you know we were joking earlier there could be an interruption but i'm literally hidden in the bathroom so that uh, hopefully we can talk uninterrupted yeah so yeah listeners if you have ever listened to um any more than just this episode uh, you will know that this is not a high budget operation um this is me um sitting at an old desk that creaks in my bedroom uh recording this podcast hoping and praying that my kids don't have a meltdown in the other room that then you can hear on the podcast uh, well, Christy, um, God love her, God love her husband also. She was in the bedroom recording it as well, but, you know, hubby was tired and he was snoring. So we had to move. She had to move into another room. So look, this is real life. 
Um, but you know what? We are real people with real solutions, real ideas. And so that's kind of what we try to capture on this uh, podcast. So Christy, thank you. No problem. Happy All right. Let's get into this thing. Um, the very first thing that I always like to do, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the connections. Before, well, it's definitely the connections before content. Um, it's just, you know, super important. I know you believe this. I know I believe this. I know a lot of the folks out there listening believe this, that you just got to connect before you can get into any substance. And so um, what I always like to do first is just talk about what's going on at my house. And so I record these on Sundays, which gives me a chance to talk about the weekend. Um, and as we record this, this is Thanksgiving weekend. Um, here in Western Kentucky, or at least maybe just in my house, Thanksgiving is like one of my top three favorite holidays, um, mainly because there's food involved. And um, secondly, because you don't go to just one place. Um, you know, you have Thanksgiving on my side of the family, then you have Thanksgiving on my wife's side of the family. Um, so Thursday, we did my family. Friday, we did her family. Saturday, Madison had a bunch of friends over from college. We had like four or five different types of soup. And so literally for the last four days, I have been eating, which makes me a very happy guy. Um, so that's what's been going on over here at the Scott House. What's been going on at the Hape House? Well, we, um, we had Thanksgiving with one side of the family, um, with the Hape side of the family, and definitely ate our fill. Um, <laughs> we ended up um, just out of abundance of caution, not having Thanksgiving with my parents because my dad's battling cancer right now. So, um, and just being cautious with the COVID numbers being up, um, we didn't do that, but we will get together with them soon. I still had plenty to eat, and we did have a couple of Friendsgiving going on with my girls. I have two in high school and one in middle school. So, <clears throat> we had Friendsgiving here at the house one night with one group, and then I had to go to the store for another trip, <laughs> which is sacrilege in my life. I go to the store once a week, and if it's not on the list, it doesn't get purchased. But man, same um, here. <laughs> I went to the store a couple of extra times for these uh, impromptu friendsgivings and got everybody what they needed, and and so the girls had multiple get-togethers and we had a lot of fun. But mm. that is what's going on. The Hape household got decorated this weekend because next weekend is the turnabout dance, and we always host a bunch of kids at the house for dinner for turnabout because oh, we cool. have a big Christmas tree that goes up in the living room. So um, Andy had to get a smaller tree this year because I threatened him because <laughs> he had a hole in the ceiling and a chainsaw in the house last year. Um, if you're friends with me on Facebook or if you friend me, you can go back and watch that video. But uh, that sounds there very... were a few incidences related to a tree that was the size of Griswold's tree in my living room last year. And this year he learned his lesson because he hasn't fixed the drywall yet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I told you this is this is real life stuff, but I've got to tell you on that note, uh, you know, you're talking about the Christmas stuff. I had a moment of super human, super dad. Um, yeah, super dad. I was super dad this week. So I put up the uh, Christmas lights on the outside of the house, plugged them in, went inside to brag on myself. The girls went outside and my wife said, uh, honey, there's a section that's not working. And, you know, immediately, you know, I break down crying, sweating, I'm, you know, not really, but, it, but that's what I felt like on the inside. But after watching a YouTube video, I was able to fix the Christmas lights 
and get them all working, uh, which in my opinion, earns me a blue uh, ribbon for Christmas. So yeah, that's that. That's what's going on in my house. That's what's going on at your house. Um, let's jump into this thing called the two for two, where I get to ask you two and you get to ask me two, and then we get to know each other even better uh, before we jump into the big ed idea. Sound all right with you? Sounds great. All right. So here we go. I'm asking this question uh, because Thanksgiving evening, my family and I went out and we watched the new Ghostbusters movie, which was fabulous. Um, so I have a question. What was the last movie that you went and saw? We did the same thing. We went to the Ghostbusters movie oh, on Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. And it was hilarious because I loved all of the links back to the original Ghostbusters movie. And our family is actually um, planning a little mini vacation to New York. Um, it's my, my oldest daughter's senior trip, yeah. so to speak, with the family. Yeah. Um, so it was really kind of cool to see some of the things that it flashed back to in New York. And we were talking about that. Now we've got to go back and watch the original before we go on our trip. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was it was a really good, really good movie. Um, I had not been to the movies and probably, gosh, since before COVID. Um, mm -hmm. I forgot how stinking expensive it is for a family of six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, we always have to have popcorn in the coat. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Um, when I was a kid, my mom would always take this huge purse and we would go to like dollar store beforehand and pile, you know, licorice and everything else in her purse. Um, I'm really thinking about starting to do that now that with this family of six. Absolutely. <laughs> All I've right. I've been known to carry some candy in myself. <laughs> I'll buy the popcorn, but not the candy. Listen, you got to do what you got to do. All right, my next one, which would you rather do? Would you rather wash dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bathroom, or vacuum your house? Which, which is your, I'm not going to say favorite because they're chores, but which would you rather do? Oh, I'd much rather be outside mowing the lawn okay. if I had a choice. That was my job growing up because I had a big sister. She's five years older than me. I thought she was cool mowing that lawn and driving that mower. So as soon as I was old enough to do it, I took over and she laughed, I'm sure, all the way back up to her bedroom while she watched me mow the rest of my life. <laughs> but you were cool doing it. I, I was, you know, back then I, we always mowed and got sun at the same time and had That's our right. headsets on. So it really wasn't a bad deal. That's right. Listening to your uh, cassette player. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I, I also, I love mowing, mowing the lawn. We have uh we have about five acres. So it takes me about four hours to mow four to five hours to get everything done. So it's like that time that I can think the best. There's just something about the sound of a mower like that. It's like meditation. Like I have the best ideas on the lawnmower. So yeah, I get it. So uh, Miss Christy, what questions do you have for me? Well, I know you're both into exercise and really do it more for the mental health side. So yeah. I just have to ask, what's your next challenge or race that you're preparing for? Okay, so my next challenge or race, um, I don't, I'm not really preparing for any type of race. I think my wife and I say this every year that we're going to run the Louisville half in its derby, during derby. Um, but something uh -huh. always pops up. So I, I imagine we say we're going to try to do that again this year. Maybe this year we can actually do it. 
Um, but one thing I try to do is every month set some type of, of uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual goal for the month. And this month, my physical one was uh, five minutes of planks every day. I think for December, I think I'm not sure yet, but I think it's going to be 50 burpees every day for the month of December. Um, that's just what I'm thinking. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Good. I'm preparing for or trying to mentally prepare for a half Ironman next year. I've got oh, one that is in Memphis. That's a St. Jude fundraiser that I, I'm thinking I can finally bite the bullet to pay the extra money to register because those events are really expensive. I've done one before, but only you know a, a non-sanctioned race. So what are the what are the uh, mileages of those? Um, well, it's 70.3 total, so roughly a mile and a half swim, 56-mile bike, and then you finish with the half marathon sure. as a rough estimate. Wow. Um, I could get behind all of that, but the swimming. Swimming, I'm, I mean, I like to do cannonballs, but as far as, like, actually, <laughs> yeah, as far as actually swimming, I don't know, but who knows? When you get used to swimming in the open water, it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's a little weird for people sometimes to swim open water because there's no place to like rest, but you just go slow. Um, sure. And ironically, I can run a half marathon at the end of a triathlon and feel better afterwards than I can running a half marathon by itself. Something hmm. about running a half just doesn't agree with my stomach and afterwards oh, okay. I feel sick. Yeah. But if I do it in connection to the other two, I'm fine. Huh. all right so for then the next next half marathon that you do just before you even start the race just do all that other stuff <laughs> yeah you gotta go. go do a few other things first there you go there you go uh, all right what's that next well, question here in the you get? household uh, the other thing we we do deal with as far as the next question goes is dating now so i'm i'm dealing with at the beginning of uh, my daughter's freshman year and my the time she was started her junior year they both started dating at the same time and I had not had time to think through all the rules I needed to put in place <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering what is your number one dad dating rule that you have for your girls so this was not by my choice but um we bought that life 360 app for Madison's phone and um you know you, you and I are about the same age. So growing up in the nineties, essentially I would, I would say bye. And my, and I would not talk to my mom until I came back, which would be midnight, one in the morning, whenever, whatever my uh, curfew was. Um, and in the big Spencer County, there wasn't anything. So literally all that, most of that time was spent just driving around going from one place to another. Um, so the Life 360 kind of just lets us let us know where she was just in case of an emergency. Um, I didn't we didn't really check it religiously, um, but it was just kind of a, as a safeguard. Um, but then also I I was really good at telling the boys that I knew how to hide bodies. <laughs> so like yeah, in, in, in a very nonchalant way. Um, mm -hmm. like I'm a nice guy and I will be super nice to you, but don't you, don't you hurt my daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because my girls both have boyfriends that are very similar. And my husband and I met in high school. 
So um, when they do stuff, I start to laugh sometimes and they're like, what are you laughing at? Like, you are exactly like my husband was when we were in high school. And if he knew you were acting like that, he'd kill you. <laughs> but he was the exact same thing. Oh, that, oh, listen, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like one of my biggest fears was my daughter meeting a guy like I was in high school. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then it happened. I'm like, oh, it's funny how God works. Yes, it is. It, it is one of those interesting things I've told my daughters and the boys that, you know, Andy might look really intimidating, but don't cross me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. don't know me that well, so don't try it. Because yeah. if you think he's intimidating, just wait. Yeah, that you got mama bear to contend with. Mm -hmm. hmm. All right. Okay, so I am super interested. Um, when I was introducing you, I mentioned the fact that you're actually an OT by trade. Um, and, you know, obviously you're not, you know, technically doing OT type stuff that most people would think OTs do. So I'm, I'm really interested, and I, and I know the listeners out there would be interested to know, um, how did education find Christy Hape? Well, I first started as a school-based occupational therapist and Andy moved around. So I had to find a job wherever he was and he worked for the school. So it was easiest for me to work for the schools too, for the schedule. Because he's a, he's a football coach, right? Yes, he was until just two years ago. He finally okay. kind of went away from coaching football about two years ago. So basically our entire lives prior to up until two years ago was all about football football ruled yeah. where we went the jobs we had where we lived um and where we went next so it was kind of a standing joke for a while our first job took us to florida and one of the things my husband always did was it was we and not me yeah. which helped with my mindset because football is, is a brutal challenge when it comes to balancing family life right so any accolades that he got, it was always we and not me. Well, that's nice. Um, but our first job was in Florida at a high school, and he actually taught in what you would call in Kentucky an EBD room. Oh, yeah. And it was in a portable outside of the of high school. Of course it was. Of course it was. Lake Wales High School. Yep. And they always took the new football coach that they were trying to hire and put him in that position until they could get him in the school because they couldn't find anybody to teach that class. So... At one point, when he um, he told me that he had a baseball bat in the classroom, um, and they had a game going where he would lay his wallet on the table, and everybody would race to try to steal his wallet, but nobody could ever steal it. I started to make connections. Um, one, he didn't know how to manage behavior. He didn't learn it in school, even though he had an education degree. And two, he had some major sensory needs going on because he had been a Division One All-American college football player. And this was his first period in his life where he wasn't playing football. Yeah. He played all through high school. He played all through college. He was a five-year uh, college athlete, and he had expected to go professional. He had been called by several teams. He had waited around the night of the draft and didn't get called up. And um, Unbeknownst to him, the door closed very quickly, and we ended up in Florida away from our family, and he was struggling. So we got a gym membership, and I got him in lifting and pushing weights and made that connection that the proprioceptive input that you get 
through your body through weightlifting and using your body and space against resistance helps calm your brain down. And he desperately needed that. He came home one day and he looked at me and he said, I almost ran my truck into a concrete barrier on the way home. I said, okay, you feeling okay? Yeah. Okay, we're getting up in the morning and we're going to the gym. Because he wasn't suicidal. He wasn't depressed. He just had a major intense need for proprioceptive input because he had been addicted to it. Yeah. He had gone from hitting people to pushing weight putting on weight to try to make it professionally. And then when that didn't happen, he, he didn't go back. I mean, he just kind of, maybe he was dealing with a little bit of depression at the moment, but life changed so abruptly. He didn't even have a gym membership yet. Um, he started coaching, but he wasn't lifting with the kids. So he pretty quickly started to be one of those guys that was lifting with the kids, was out there in practice, mucking it up with the kids. In fact, one time he came home and his, the whole side of his face was bruised because he was doing an offensive line demonstration during a live drill and he didn't have a helmet on or pads on and one of the kids hit him. <laughs> so um, we talked about that. He never would put a helmet on, but he got out there and he mixed up with the kids a lot. And then all of a sudden he started to feel better. Um, so I started helping him brainstorm kind of how to manage these behaviors with the kids in the classroom. And um, he didn't have any resources. So then I started coordinating with <clears throat> the special ed coordinator in the area and kind of helping her brainstorm ways that he could um, work together with her. And that helped him in the long run, get one, get the resources he needed and two, get the support that he needed so that he could start putting some things in place. So the kids started going outside with him. They started um, doing things like um, lining the football field and pushing um, you know, that liner down the field itself. They started doing the lawn chair for the football field and doing life skills types things together. Um, and then, you know, he started to realize the connection that he needed with the kids um, so that he could start to build relationships with them. And that was really my first lesson in managing behavior and understanding the sensory needs. And so at the time I was working as an OT in the schools down there in Polk County, and I went back to school to get my master's degree. And so fast forward to now, every time we moved for his job, I got another degree and we had another kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> Surprise, uh, congratulations. And then had another child and we moved from Florida to the college level in Indiana. And we were in Richmond, Indiana for a while. And then we moved from there to Franklin, Indiana. And I taught at University of Indianapolis and made the jump myself to the university level. While I was at University of Indianapolis, I had to get my doctorate. So we had our youngest, Abby, and I earned my doctorate, and then we moved back to Evansville. Oh, I did not um, know that. When the Rice High School job came open, and Andy was called and asked to interview for the job. Huh. Yeah, I did not know that you had your doctorate. Yes, yeah. So I had your... to get it when I was at University of Indianapolis. Um, it's an occupational therapy doctorate with an emphasis in pediatrics. I actually graduated from a place called Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions because it was one of the only universities that I could go to that had only one semester during football season <laughs> <laughs> and also offered a pediatric emphasis in that degree. Very, very, very cool. Um, excellent. I, and I, I love what you're talking about, about the sensory stuff, because I too, um, I think there's a lot of sensory a lot of sensory issues with our kids and stuff. And, and so it's 
very, it's just very important that our teachers kind of understand the, the role um, of sensory disorders or not even disorders, just anybody with sensory. Um, and so, okay, so that's how education found you. Um, you've been in this education game for how long now? Gosh, this is uh, 22 years. Okay, so obviously you have seen um, your fair share of classrooms. You have been in your fair share of schools. Um, like you said, from the high school to the college level, down to the elementary level now. Um, what would you say is the problem in education that you would really like to focus on this evening? Well, I, right now, the problem that I see is that there's this huge mismatch for kids. So I think the mismatch that we have is that children are not developing the social emotional skills that they need to navigate life um, at these lower levels in preschool and in elementary school, it hits really hard because we don't have mandatory preschool in Evansville. Um, we do offer it for children and families, but many kids are now coming to school with zero experience in school in a preschool environment. Some of that has increased because of COVID. Some of it has increased because of a lack of resources on the parts of the family. Some of it has increased just because of decreased availability. But either way, I think that is creating a huge problem at school because at the elementary school level, right now it feels like we are driving forward with our state standards, our mandated standards, without regard for the stress that our kids are experiencing. And it is resulting in children experiencing fight, flight, freeze, or fawn in the classroom setting. And what that looks like, fight looks like unsafe physical action. When kids swipe their desk clear, when they rip up their papers, when they hit someone or they flip a desk. Um, freeze looks like kids in the classroom putting their head down, um, going to sleep in the classroom, refusing to engage in a task, so task avoidance, um, to the point where they'll sit in a classroom for an entire period and not do anything yeah. and just stare at the teacher. Yeah. Um, it also comes off as defiance because they refuse to listen to the adult, but they really truly are in shutdown or in freeze. Um, flight looks like kids leaving the classroom without permission. So we call that elopement. That becomes something that goes in as an office physical referral here in Evansville. Um, but elopement is leaving the classroom without permission or the assigned area they're supposed to be in without yep. permission. Yep. Um, and drift also is happening. So drift is getting up out of your seat and drifting away from the assigned place that you're supposed to be. And those two things are really flight in kids. And then this last one, I'm really starting to learn more about myself right now is fawn. So children who have come from trauma can also experience fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And fawn looks like a child who is doing everything they can to please you at whatever cost it might come to them. Um, in my experience, sometimes this can be kids who are connecting too quickly with an adult where they, they might look like they're a real people pleaser. Um, they may develop a relationship with you and share with you personal information in a manner that is too fast for what would be a typical relationship. Um, they may flirt. They may demonstrate some hypersexualized behavior at a young age. 
because they're fawning over you in response to an, a lack of social skill or ability in the moment. And many times that is due to trauma. So I have been very passionate over the last couple of years in working with our local university here, talking to student teachers and teachers, and now I'm working with Dr. Thomas from USI, talking to mentor teachers across the state about what adverse childhood experiences do to children and what that looks like in the classroom, and then figuring out what we can do about it. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my... Uh big passions or, or big beliefs is that we have these kids coming into kindergarten um, without any type of pre-K. Um, but a lot of the times those kids come in with substantially lower social and emotional IQ levels. Um, I mean, I've seen it before where you have a five-year-old come into kindergarten, but they're more like a two-year-old as far as their like emotional intelligence. Um, so yes, I completely agree with everything you are saying. That is a huge issue. And I firmly believe that until we start addressing some of that stuff and effectively slow down in the early grades, um, ac academic gaps are never going to be closed. Um, and then I wanted to touch on something. Also, you talked about the ACE scores. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of talking to our high school juniors, um, English four class and some of the, well, all of the seniors in English four and then some of the juniors as well. Um, one of our English teachers asked if I would just talk to them about coping skills because they had asked, she had asked her seniors, what is something they hadn't learned and they would like to learn in English four this year. And a lot of them were talking about coping skills and how to deal with life and that kind of stuff. And she knew that was one of my interests. And so I gave all of those kids the ACE screener. Um, we talked about what the ACE study was. We talked about some of the implications, some of the statistics that the ACE, you know, gives off and stuff. And um, we even went as far as I asked them to raise their hand for anybody that had three or more. And literally 90% of every kid in that classroom from the best households down to the worst. Um, it was a really eye-awakening moment for those students that, um, and we just talked about the fact that life is the hardest thing you ever have to do. Um, and then we talked about the effects of stress. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, everything that you were saying. Um, you sound like, and actually you wouldn't be on this podcast if you didn't have kind of an idea of what we could do to counteract those types of problems. So what is your big ed idea, Christy? Well, in working with teachers right now, my biggest passion is just increasing their understanding of what this looks like in the classroom. So my big idea is putting on a thinking cap with teachers and really starting to come together and building their skill level to be able to break down a problem with a child because every teacher has encountered that kid who's not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And just this year, I, I had a couple of situations come up where a teacher or an assistant stopped me and said, why is this kid here? That breaks my heart when we get to that point. But everyone has a huge stress load right now with all that we are managing with COVID in schools, um, outside of schools, managing and caring for our kids and our parents and our families. When we come in the door, our stress load is high, but it is 
for kids too. Yeah. And every kid that comes in the building in our public school has a place, place there in that building and should feel as if they belong. And I think every teacher has done a really good job of understanding that. What, what they lack understanding is, is what this um, adverse childhood experience does to kids and what it does to their sensory systems and their stress responses. So when we see a child who doesn't fit the mold, who can't sit down and do their work, we have to start asking questions. And that problem solving process should start with trying to look at what the biological needs are. And that's something that Susan Phelps has brought into our EDSC community and really taught teachers a lot about. But we look at, if we have a child that's not following the norm, it doesn't really matter why. They're just not following our yeah, right. basic expectations. We wanna make a phone call home and figure out why. Is the child on medication? Are they taking it regularly? Do we need to give that medication to them at school to help the family make sure the child's taking it? Do they need to have a snack before they take their medicine? Are they hungry when they come to school? Do they have a basic need because they're not sleeping well at home? And you'd be surprised. There are lots of times when we make those phone calls that parents will say, well, they go to bed when I go to bed, but I'm afraid they're not sleeping because their electronics are out. Yes. So we teach parents, take the cords to the Xbox and put them under your pillow at night so your child will sleep. Make sure that you put your phones away so they're away from the blue light an hour before bedtime. Make sure that you're plugging the phone in your room and not their room so that kids aren't texting them and bullying issues don't come up in the middle of the night. And make sure that your child gets a good breakfast. And you'd be surprised how many parents don't realize that their teenager or their, their young child really does need 10 hours of sleep instead of seven and a half. Um, so there's a lot of misunderstandings about what is good for kids and parents, I think, are doing their best, but they're not always doing what kids really need because they don't know. Yeah. Um, so it, it does seem like we're doing a lot balancing all of these things at school, but that's the first place we start. And then we start to track data. And this is where I see teachers make a mistake. A lot of times teachers will track data by writing down anecdotal notes of what a child has done wrong in their room. Like they're thinking that they have this record of all of the wrongs of the child and that's gonna help them when they need to go get the administrator to remove the child from their room. They'll have all this information to pass on. But when you write anecdotal notes, when you write out everything that the child has done, you're actually rehearsing the bad thing the child has done in your mind over and over because you've said it. Now you're writing it out. So you're saying it again in your mind and you're probably talking about it too. So now instead of it having occurred once, it's occurred three times in your mind, you're more likely to see that child in a negative light. So I do not ask teachers to take anecdotal notes ever unless they're writing an office discipline referral and then they have to give us that information. But our office discipline referrals always ask for the antecedent, what happened first, yep. the behavior, yep. what the child did, and the consequence, what was the thing that happened. And I don't always like the word consequence because it's not always a punishment and people right. associate C as a punishment, right, right. but it's what happened after you know, the child got to escape. As a so we break it down that way and then we look for patterns. And this is where my knowledge of sensory stuff comes into play with the kids I work with. If they have, say, um, 10 o'clock in the morning, they're frequently getting up out of their seat and drifting, then at 9.30, we'll put a break in place for them. And we do an antecedent support by getting them before the time when they're having trouble 
and providing them with a break to meet their sensory needs. We allow the child to have some control over what that break might look like. Um, for us, we have the option of the minds in motion maze, or they ha we have a self-regulation room they can go to where they can have a quiet spot. Um, in the self-regulation room, we generally have quiet, short-term, short and length activities that are no more than 10 minutes to complete. And in the sensory areas, you know, we can do a walk, um, we can do movement to help calm the body and the minds in motion maze combines all of those things for kids to kind of quickly get some movement and get back to class. And we also try to get all of our teachers in the EBSC to work through providing refueling breaks for kids throughout the day. So before you teach that brand new math concept, you're going to do an activity with them that involves them moving and getting some deep breathing in before they move into the new content. And that typically helps us get kids off on the right start. So this year when I was hired and I was just in one single building, the first thing I did was look at all of our children from last year that had 10 or more office discipline referrals for whatever reason. And I went to their teachers and I said, what time of day do you think they're going to need a break? And we started the year with all of those kids taking a scheduled break That's great. in the self-reg room. And we reduced the number of office discipline referrals by 40 referrals in the first month of school. Holy cow. Yeah, it came back as some pretty awesome numbers for sure. That is re that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. But you probably knew that was going to happen. Well, I'd hoped that the numbers would prove it, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're also dealing with a different classroom than what we did, uh, you know, when we first came into practice, right? I mean, right now, I just actually looked at the Wellburn study, which I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in Evansville, we have a Wellburn Foundation, and they do an annual study on the different types of challenges that we have with health in our community. And we figured out, I actually did... Um, break everything down based on the percentages of diagnoses that they gave for our children. Um, it's a pretty popular number right now that people are talking about nationally. We know one in five children are struggling with a mental health issue. But in Evansville, when I took their data and I averaged it out to an average classroom size of 24, 58% of our students will have some sort of disorder or diagnosis that will impact their learning and the learning of others. Wow. 58%. And of that 58%, it would be a diagnosis of autism, anxiety. Yeah. And that's just diagnosed. Or ADHD and behavior. But like you said, that's just the ones that are diagnosed. That's just the ones that are diagnosed. And, yes. we, and we know the ones that aren't probably adds another 10%. For sure. And it wasn't that way when we entered this field, right? No, no. But it is now. It absolutely. So if you are a teacher right now, you are a special ed teacher. That's exactly right. Huh. Okay. So, okay. So as I, one of the things I try to do on this podcast while I'm listening to your idea is kind of come up with, you know, what is the title of this episode's going to be? Um, I almost, I, I'm thinking this episode needs to be called Every Teacher is a Special Ed Teacher. That would be a great title. But I completely agree. Um, as someone whose first master's is in learning behavior disorders, um, and also someone that was tempted to quit three times, two, two or three times before the first five years because of behavior, because of not understanding behavior, um, 
because I thought it came down to the right strategy or it came down to um, the right point system or the right reward system. Um, I did all of that. I remember I did a token economy um, in my classroom. I did, um, I did random, I did a thing called a random um, mystery motivator um, where I would write a prize and put it in an envelope, close the envelope, hang it up on the, the board. And as the day went on, we would keep, keep, a, keep a score chart. And every time the kids did something really great as a group, they would get a point, something not so great, I'd get a point. And then at the end of the day, if they won, they got to open up the mystery motivator and, you know, but um, yeah, I, that, I think, I think you're right. I think um, education is totally different than when you and I were there. Um, we have a substantially higher number of students that are probably in um, second or third generation of poverty or second or third generation of um learned helplessness. I mean, that's, that's something I talk about a lot, but a, a lot of the things that you had alluded to a little bit earlier about the fact that um, as a, as a, as a school employee, you're reaching out to the parents um, because let's be, let's be honest, some of our, probably a lot of our parents, they parent like they were parented. And so if they are second generation, third generation, um, of parents that didn't really know what to do, not because of it's their fault, but they weren't modeled. Um, as an educator, if we know better, then shouldn't we be helping our families do better? And so I, I completely agree with everything you are saying tonight. Absolutely. And I've really been a big um, proponent of Ross Green and Brene Brown. If those oh, are areas that yes. people are listening to and they want to know what's my next person or my next go-to, Go to their TED Talks, go to their websites, go get their books. Um, vulnerability is so important. And I'm in the same boat. I almost didn't come back this year. Last year, almost broke me. Um, and by the grace of God, I, over the summer, did some counseling. And instead of doing cognitive behavioral counseling, I actually went and worked with someone on body work, on the physical places in your body that you hold trauma and tension uh, because I did have a lot of, of issues last year myself based on the work that I was doing that kind of came up and through working on that for about two or three months I had a lot of physical release of trauma that I was carrying and was able to be completely vulnerable and open up to my my family and tell them what I needed and then when I knew I was returning this year I gathered around a bunch of women who knew me and promised that they would pray for me. And so I, I have my own prayer team this year. And um, we're really careful about never sharing information about you know, anything particular. But I know if I'm having a rough moment, I can say, please pray. And that's all I have to say. And I have eight women who will uh, carry me to Jesus in that moment, even when I can't really maybe do it for myself. That's fabulous. Yeah, those... Those two names, um, if, if you are out there and you are not familiar with uh, Brene Brown, I am. I just got done reading. Actually, I got it right here. I'm reading it, uh, or I just got done reading Dare to Lead. Um, my wife is a um, lead uh, LCSW in the emergency room in Evansville, and 
she has started reading Dare to Lead to help her, um, you know, because she has a caseload of folks that work under her. Um, but then also Dr. Ross Green, when I came across his work on the uh, proactive and responsive, gosh, you, you know what I'm talking Proactive. And I don't remember the exact terminology either, but yeah, he has a framework to work through problem behaviors. And, oh, I and, it's, and it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I did it um, multiple times last year with several high school students. Um, and basically his, and I've really, really latched onto this belief that kids want to behave. Um, kids want to do well um, academically, emotionally, behaviorally. Um, they just lack the skills sometimes to do it. And it's our job, literally, to help them learn those skills. And so, you know, when I see, um, when I see an EBD room um, that does not work on replacement behaviors or does not look for those skills that these kids lack, um, it really hurts my heart. But uh, yeah, anybody out there, if you are digging what uh, Christy is talking about, definitely, definitely, definitely check out Dr. Ross Green and Brene Brown if you if you haven't already. Um, Miss Christy, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation before we start to wind it down? No, I just would tell you if you haven't found it yet that Brene Brown has a, a podcast or a, a TED Talk, I think rather on. Um, the Daring Classroom, and I just listened to, to it today. It's phenomenal. Renee Brown. Just search for the Daring Classroom. Okay. So it, it's really good stuff and pertains directly to education and educators. Okay. As an educator, I would say, if you find yourself in the moment um, wondering why a kid is there, wondering what is going on because their behavior is so outside the norm of what you are used to dealing with. That's the moment to take a step back and raise a red flag and get a team of people to work with you because no one should be trying to work through complex behaviors on their own. So it doesn't matter if they're a special ed kid or a regular ed kid or a kid that's not in your class. When you feel like you sense that red flag based on their behavior or if you start to feel frustrated, pay attention to that. That is God drawing your attention to a child intentionally and reach out for help because you're never intended to do it alone. Well said. And, and so, okay. So I imagine that there is one or two or 20 people out there that have been listening to this that have, uh, like I do, goosebumps because uh, the, the, the concepts that you've talked about tonight are so real and we see them in our rooms every day. Um, I know in my classroom I did, um, I taught at a high poverty school with 90, 97-98% free and reduced lunch and you know we saw that every day um, all the way down to kindergarten but now I'm in the high school level and I see it every day at the high school level. Um, difference is my high schoolers are a lot better at being able to talk about it um, whereas my elementary kids couldn't. Um, but having said that, if there are folks out there that want to reach out to you, want to dig down deeper into the mind that is Christy Hape um, about all of these things, how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. I have a, a work email that will get straight to me, and it is Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I -I dot Hape, 
H A P E at E D S C K 12.org. Okay. And, and if that doesn't work, anybody out there is welcome to reach out to me and I will connect you um, because Christy is definitely somebody that I interact with on the regular. Um, I know, you know, we see very, we see behavior very similar. Um, and uh, I see a, I see a challenging kid as a challenge, um, as a challenge to find what works. Um, and that may take two or three different approaches, but eventually we're going to get it. Uh, it just takes a little bit of time. And so, uh, Ms. Christine. Sure. And I also share a lot of things on Facebook about, um, you know, these kinds of concepts. So it may annoy you if you don't want to see it in your Facebook feed, <laughs> but you're welcome to find me on Facebook if you would like to friend me. And um, I do live in Evansville, Indiana, so you can find me by my name and, and search that way and find me then. I'll have a bunch of different things that I have shared on there. I'd be happy to uh, connect you with some other places. If uh, you're interested, I have a document that I have saved on mental health resources for educators too that I'd be happy to share if anybody wants to reach out. Absolutely. Actually, send that to me. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, Ms. Christy, I'm going to close this down uh, like I always like to do. Uh, but first, before I do that, I just want to tell you once again, thank you for stepping up to the plate uh, when I needed you. I appreciate you. Um, I know you had to change multiple rooms because of snoring folks. Uh, <laughs> so, so I appreciate you. Um, I value you. I value the work that you are doing. Um, you know, you and I definitely believe God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. And there is a reason that you were where you are and um, just keep on doing the good. Oh, it's just an honor to be invited, Ryan, because I know some of the other people you've had on here. For sure, it's an honor to be invited. So thank you. <laughs> well, all right. And so having said that, I'm going to leave us with a quote. One life, just one. Why aren't we running like we are on fire towards our wildest dreams? And so with that, my big Ed Idea listeners, I appreciate you. I love you sincerely um have a wonderful evening have a wonderful morning wherever you are whatever time it is um and like big john janoski always used to say i will see you in the funny paper Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>